Namaste. Welcome to the fifth episode of the Kendra Maya podcast. My name is Kendra Maya and I am a yogi practicing as part of the lineage of the Trilok Akhara under my Guru, Guru Pashupati. The Trilok Akhara is a 17,000 year old ancient Himalayan school of yoga of India and Nepal. Today's topic is going to be well-being, specifically mental well-being. In the last few episodes, I have broadly, I've covered some of the building blocks of a relationship and creativity and purpose. And along the same lines, I would like to share how it is true that most of our lives can be divided into three sections, health, wealth and relationships. And today we are going to start the segment on health, physical and mental health. And with, uh, before I get into that, I mean, in order to get into that, I would um, start with the story. Yeah, so when we spin a top, this story, uh, by the way, was shared by my guru. And I think it beautifully demonstrates the point. So when we spin a top on the floor, it happens with a flick of our wrist. So we spin it and we make sure that we kind of spin it enough that it kind of spins around and then it stops. And then we spin it again. And until and spins until its momentum runs out. But it does not spin forever, right? The cause is the flick of the wrist and the effect is the spinning. And when the cause stops, so does the effect. But when I was a child and I did this <laughs> also, um, I would uh, also try to understand the cause and effect of the things that are going and happening around in my world. I would ask a lot of why questions. Okay, why does this happen? Why do people drive a car? Why does it rain um, for so many months during the monsoon in India? Um, why did somebody say that? Or why should I eat my food now? Or why should I 
meet someone or not meet someone? Why should I come back at home by 6 o'clock? Some of these questions were answered by the adults around me truthfully and some of them were ignored and some of them were answered not truthfully because I guess they themselves didn't know the answer or they didn't know how to explain it to a child. But I knew that they are not being truthful, you know, I knew that they are kind of, uh, that, uh, that this is not the answer, that's, that's what I understood. I didn't really think of them as liars, but I just realized that this cannot be the answer because it doesn't make any sense. Like for example, why, you know, I talked about this before also for those who have been following my podcast. Why should I come back at home at when it gets dark, when all the guys are still playing basketball? You know, I used to play basketball and I had to co come home earlier, kind of. And, <laughs> and there was a time, one of the years, a couple of years, I used to be the one bringing the basketball. So then I would also take the basketball home with me. And <laughs> yeah, so then people started to get a backup basketball because I couldn't stay long after dark. I couldn't stay at all after dark. But when I would ask my parents why, they would uh, tell me because uh, it's unsafe and I wouldn't understand why. Why is it? Why does a girl who's going out, why is she at risk of being raped um, after dark in India or anywhere in the world? Why, why do people, why do men think it's okay to do that? And why does it happen to women? And why is there this sort of misogyny? So why is, aren't the boys being taught to treat women better or treat girls better and how to behave with them? These are some of the whys that I asked when they answered my question as to why I can't go out. But the real answer to this question is the is that the misogyny is coming down from written word from the books that have been written a long time ago, particularly Manusmriti that says that a woman was born from the rib of a man. And uh, sorry, that's the Bible. <laughs> Manusmriti is predates the Bible and it talks about how a woman is to be kept um, uh, and has to be passed from uh, the father to the husband. So basically she is to be treated like property. But actually one should neither own property nor women. Owning property creates wars where people think that it's okay to kill someone else they haven't even met. And of course, owning women as property leads to a lot of imbalance in society and disrespect of women and girls. Yeah, so this written word is part of the Brahmastra that I will talk about. So, once upon a time, there were two ancient societies 
called the Devas and the Asuras. The Asuras basically were more physically powerful than the Devas. And the Devas, however, were more technologically advanced and more intelligent than the Asuras. The Asuras are what became the Assyrians and then the Persians. So, the Devas knew that they are more intelligent and saw it as an opportunity to colonize the Asuras, so they can gain more power. And in order to do that, they came up with the ultimate weapon of mass delusion, which in Sanskrit, the term that we use actually, I have just translated it, but the term is actually Brahmastra, where Brahma is delusion and Astra means weapon. So, it is a weapon of delusion and in this case mass delusion as it was used for an entire society, the Asuras. And in order to do this, they basically started to sh um, circulate the idea that the difference between right and wrong and the sense of what is right and wrong uh, can be found out from a book. So, they wrote down in a book what is right and what is wrong and then they circulated that book because the, pow the power of a written word uh, was perceived to be quite high and it is still perceived to be quite high these days even today. And so, it was circulated um, and to those people who could not read or write, it was told through stories that they then said came down from the ancestors. So, basically the weapon of mass delusion, the Brahmastra was this idea that an individual cannot make a decision for themselves what is right and what is wrong. You have to follow what society dictates or whatever the current norm is of what is right and what is wrong. And this is how misogyny was also born, because in order to control the people, they had to first control who was creating the people, the women and therefore, they had to control their wombs. And obviously, it is <laughs> obviously, if, if, if a woman is free, then she is just going to be able to you know have sex with whoever she wants. But if somebody is controlling her womb and controlling what is good behavior and bad behavior, then they can control the person, they can enslave them. Um, so that they do not have sex with whoever they want and instead it is possible to divide them into family units. 
Now, now, now I know it sounds rather, but hear me out. So, these family units made people believe that there is a limit to how much I can be connected. So, the, the, it, it created this illusion that not everybody is my family, right? Before everybody was a family, there was nobody to hurt each other. Maybe it's hard to believe, but this is how the story goes. It's not possible for someone who believes that everybody is their family to hurt another person because they know it. And this is what the Nath yogis knew. They could not be enslaved because they were following something that is yoga. They did this practice of yoga. So, the devas found out that these Nath yogis, they cannot be enslaved because they were practicing this science of yoga. And with this practice, they knew what is right and what is wrong from within themselves because they could listen to their own conscience, our internal system of morality. However, the others who did not have this, they were then enslaved and divided up. So, how is this relevant to well-being? Well, when you are going through your whole day, you can just um, take down your notebook and maybe make some notes about how you feel when you wake up in the morning and then afternoon and then in the evening. And if at some point your mood has changed, then you should know that the Brahmastra has been used. That at some point you came across the Brahmastra and you were deluded into thinking that you are unworthy. Let me give an example. So, for example, I am just going through my day and I am pretty, you know, cheerful in the morning um, and then I just open the news or open social media and I come across the news that uh, there has been the earthquake in Turkey and in Syria. And then I feel unworthy because I feel that I am unable to help these people. The world is such a bad place and I am unworthy of making a difference because I can't do anything about this. Now, this is a Brahmastra, where even before you can take any action or think about what is going on, you already conclude that you are unworthy. Now, someone who would have um, come across it and been aware that it is the Brahmastra would look at it differently. 
just like when we see a dog barking. We pass a dog that's barking through the gate and we ignore it because we know that it's just, it doesn't mean us any individual harm, it's just doing its own thing. And that's it. In the same way if, you know, if a coconut or if, if, if a mango falls on the windshield of your car, uh, no, let's, let's say coconut because mango is the biggest. Yeah, but it could also be mangoes. I mean, they just sit and have all these splotchy stains on your car and you're like, okay, you're like, okay, a bit upset about it, but you don't really take it seriously. But if your neighbor were to throw a coconut into the windshield of your car, then you would take it seriously. But, yeah, so the Brahmastra is something that once you become aware of that, okay, this, this uh, thing that is happening, I don't have to feel unworthy because I can do my best to help them in whatever way I can from this point. And whatever is your best, you can determine with your conscience. Maybe you can donate some money. Maybe you can donate 20 euros. Maybe you can donate 100 euros or more or less. Maybe you can donate 5 euros. Maybe you can't donate at all and you just want to share the news with other people and ask them if they can donate or something like this, you know, you can find, you can have a conversation with the conscience inside you and ask what will, what is it that I can do which will, will, will make me feel that I've done something in my maximum capacity for now and this is the right thing for me to do instead of robbing a bank and then donating the money which would probably not be the right thing to do. What you can do instead is what is in your limit and you do that and then you feel worthy because you know you listen to your conscience. A person who listens to their conscience does not go to bed feeling insomnia. They sleep. Insomnia of course is a chronic sleep disorder but yeah they just, those who have a good conscience and who listen to it every day they're able to sleep well, basically. So, when you're going through your day, if you can understand why things are happening, that why am I changing into a bad mood, if you are aware of it, then you're able to build resilience. And this resilience is going to help you stay healthy mentally and physically. And this is what yoga teaches. When you feel unworthy, it is to feel a yogi. A yogi means unworthy, of no use. And yogi or yoga as it has been converted into is to be worthy and this is what the Nath yogis were able to be. They were able to be of use and to be worthy because they were able to listen to their conscience. 
by the practice of yoga. Yeah, so I hope that makes sense and let me actually summarize what I've been saying. So, a certain society, ancient society created a weapon of mass delusion to enslave another society through books. This is a story, but you can find nuggets of wisdom in it to understand that there is a story going on outside of you that something is good and something is wrong. But you can ask yourself actually what is right and what is wrong by listening to your conscience. And the reason why you should do that, of course you, should, you don't have to do that if you are okay being enslaved or if you are okay following what is going on, that you should continue to stay in a job that you don't like or that you should continue to stay in a bad marriage because society thinks that a bad marriage, I mean a marriage needs to be left intact no matter how bad it is. I mean it is like that in some countries, right? People don't leave their marriage even if it's crumbling into bits. But that's not the only case, there are many examples that um, one has to be in a certain way, but an external entity is telling me that. So, in all these cases, the Brahmastra is being used and it prevents us from seeing the real causation of why something is happening. Why is the top continuing to spin? And it is not in your childhood, it is in your present, in the Brahmastra that reinforce. Like whenever you open a social media app, there will be some words written on a picture and they may be, they are Brahmastras as well because they are reporting and promoting certain ideas that are not aligned with yourself and they invisibly create conflict within you, they create fear, they create guilt, they create pain, okay, not pain sorry, but cre create fear and guilt. and anxiety that okay I need to have the love of my life otherwise my life is of has no meaning I need to live the, the Bollywood love dream otherwise my life has no meaning these are Brahmastras or the Hollywood whatever yeah and you can track them by actually using a notebook and seeing how your emotions change. You can do this for yourself, you can try it and see how your emotions change and then find what the Brahmastra was and once you see it, it is not, um, it is not a problem anymore because it is like a dog barking. And once you are aware of it, then you can use social media apps, once you are aware of it, once you have the right kind of filter to know what is right and what is wrong. 
because when, once you start to feel unworthy and full of fear, then that is when it creates physical distress as well, the body goes into physical distress. The fear converts itself into fat soluble toxins, because if it stays in your blood, it is going to kill you. So, whatever you are eating and whatever you are not able to completely absorb and digest, because you are in fear. So, the, the body has a brain of its like a in the enteric nervous system within the digestive tract. This is pretty old research already scientifically, it is proven this that there are a lot of and in fact, this enteric nervous system also produces certain neurotransmitters like serotonin, but when you are not producing serotonin in the right amounts or if you are producing it for the wrong reasons and instead you are only producing fear a lot, then the food is not getting digested properly and this extra food cannot just sit in your blood otherwise you will die. So, then the body sends it into make it into fat. And that is how like even those who are thin. So, if you do not get enough nutrition, then instead of becoming fat and if you think that being fat is unworthy, then the body is going to not become fat, but it is still going to store all the toxins and this is going to start affecting your internal organs. So, you can just look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, am I worthy? If you feel unattractive, unworthy, unworthy of sex or unworthy of anything of ev or everything, then it is then it is uh, the Brahmastra that is affecting you and probably a good idea to just start by becoming more aware by noting down your emotions and seeing how they evolve throughout the day and what changes it, what is the cause behind its change. The way to be emotionally well is by constantly being aware of the, um, the decline. So, the moment there is a decline, you, you just pull yourself back. The moment there is a decline, you pull yourself back. The more you are aware, the easier it will be to pull yourself back instead of not being aware and let that letting that state exist for weeks or months or years, it is possible to be aware and this is what meditation helps us create. And that is what we will talk about in the next episode of this podcast, how meditation improves our physical and mental well-being based on the latest neuroscience research on the benefits of meditation. We will look at the different types of meditation, how based on the inhalations and exhalations, which parts of the brain it affects and how it is actually able to make alter the state of your brain by altering its neural circuitry through the cultivation of different states of being via meditation and yoga. So, in this case, 
for as far as I am concerned, yoga is meant, uh, yoga includes meditation. Yoga is not purely asanas or just pranayama, but you know it has meditation. We'll also discuss what yoga is in some future podcast. All right. Um, thank you so much for listening, and I hope uh, you enjoyed the episode and you learned something. If you did, please do share and subscribe to my channel and like and rate uh, rate my podcast on Apple or Spotify, depending on whichever platform you're on. Uh, that would be really great and is a, is a free way to support uh, this channel. And uh, those who have any questions about this topic or any other topics, please do send them in to Himalayan Holistic Healing at gmail.com. That is without any spaces or any dots or underscores, just straight Himalayan Holistic Healing. All right, then um, have a good one. Thank you so much.